0: Happy Hanukkah to our uh, Jewish friends. Hanukkah begins this evening. Season of light has begun. Here we are. So good to be with you. We are in December, and so that means we're changing our monthly theme. We have our 100 years of science of mind the very last month that we'll be reviewing or going through this theme. And this month we have happiness and fulfillment. That's a nice thing to get to talk about all month. We get to talk about happiness. I like that and fulfillment. But today we start out with the gift of forgiveness. The gift of forgiveness because as Denise read in her reading, that's where it begins. As Kiki sang in her song, that's where it begins. To, have, to be able to have this happiness and this fulfillment that we're talking about. You know, during the month of um, December, there's lots of holidays, you know, not just uh, Hanukkah and Christmas, but several other holidays. And um, holidays really means Holy Day. That's how the word holiday came about. It's a holy day. And lots of opportunities to give gifts, you know, for the various uh, different holidays. And uh, what better gift to give is the gift of forgiveness, right? Not only to others, but to ourselves. To give that gift to ourselves, Maya Angelou, she says it's one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself to forgive. Forgive everybody. Forgiveness, you know, is forgiving. If you break down the word, it's forgiving. It's something that we do that captures the essence of the word. We give forgiveness. You know, one of the blocks that... I've in talking to people that I've come across that people have in giving forgiveness is this idea or this thought that if I forgive somebody who's harmed me, if I forgive somebody who's done me wrong, I'm letting them off the hook. I'm letting them off the hook for what they did, or I'm making them think that it's okay what they did. You know, and that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness does not mean approval. I love that. You know, if we forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that we're saying, oh, yeah, that's, I approve of what you did, or it's okay what you did, or it didn't matter that you hurt me. That's not it at all. You know, forgiveness we do to set ourselves free, to set ourselves free, you know, to allow ourselves to move on. You know, we, we don't allow the person that we're holding unforgiveness against to take up that space in our head, to occupy our time, to occupy our energy. We allow ourselves to move on. The uh, Course in Miracles says, forgiveness is a shift in perception that allows us to access love. Forgiveness is a shift in perception. And, and the Course in Miracle has this little short forgiveness prayer that I think is beautiful. Today I'm willing to see past illusions to the truth. Today I'm willing to become as a little child and be taught by the one who knows. Today, I step back and take my unhealed thoughts to the light. Take my unhealed thoughts to the light. That I might see them for the nothingness that they are. I am willing to let my projections be undone. I am willing to remember where I am always. Today, I am willing to be happy instead of right. You know. So, forgiveness is really to set ourselves free, that's the truth of it. And we really can't be free if we're dragging around all this old baggage with us. If we're holding on to some 20-year-old resentment against our parents or our siblings or somebody that did us wrong, we cannot be free. We cannot move forward. You know, the Science of Mind magazine for December is full of articles on forgiveness. It's full of articles on forgiveness. The theme for the um, magazine this month is forgiveness and fulfillment. Forgiveness and fulfillment. So it's focused much more on this forgiveness piece. And in one of the articles, it's written, not being able to forgive enables the experience and the other person involved to continue to have power over you. By keeping an experience alive, alive in us, we allow it to get in the way of moving on from its pain. We allow it. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. So the act of forgiveness is really not about the other person. It's not really for the other person. It's for ourselves. You know, this week's essay that we're using for, as we move through our science of mind, uh, living the science of mind, which we have about this much left on. You know, we've just about through the book and we'll have done 52 of the essays and there's about 120 of them in there. So we've done about half the book this year. But this essay of Ernest Holmes is our need for forgiveness. And Ernest says that uh, Jesus and the healing work he did was all about removing the emotional blocks before he did the healing so that was kind of a new idea to me to look at and see and see and talk and think about that you know and Ernest used the example of mark 2 where Jesus uh, heals the paralyzed man and and if you don't know that story it's Jesus had been performing a lot of miracles and word had been getting around that he where this, this guy and this guy was doing all this healing work right and the crowds had gathered and so he left town for a while but word got around that he had come back for a few days and he was at a home And inside the home, there were some of the um, Jewish um, teachers and some of the rabbis. And the crowds gathered. The crowds gathered around this house. It's so much so that people couldn't even get in and out of the house. It's like the paparazzi, right, had discovered that Jesus was there. And uh, so these men that had a friend that were paralyzed, they decided to go up on the roof. And there were the thatched roofs. And they opened the roof and they lowered the man down on his bed into the house in front of Jesus, and that's how they got in. And Jesus, seeing their great faith, he said to them, said to the man, brother, you are forgiven. And the story goes in the Bible that Jesus sensed that the rabbis and the teachers that were there we're judging him we're thinking why in the world does this fellow think he can forgive this man's sin only god can forgive sins right and jesus said to them why are you thinking that why are you feeling that why is it that you do not think that we can forgive each other he said is it easier for me then to tell this man to pick up his bed and walk and he said to the man pick up your bed and walk and the man did and he walked out to everyone's astonishment right And Jesus said, no, that the Son of Man, that we have the power to forgive. It's not something that we need to leave for that judgment day. It's not something that we need to leave to, you know, God. That we can forgive here and now, today. Ernest goes on to say, a continual state of resentment against others can badly affect the digestive system. It can produce many forms of physical irritation. No lack of forgiveness can most assuredly lead to health issues, just like anger does when it's held within us. No, so just like Jesus, we must clear the emotional blocks before we are to heal ourselves. If we're experiencing something on the physical level, I guarantee you there's some emotional equivalent that's going on within you holding on to an old resentment, holding on to an old anger, holding on to guilt. Uh, Margaret Stortz, Reverend Margaret Stortz, who's one of our beloved religious science ministers from many, many, many years ago, she writes in this month's Science and Mag- Ma- Mind magazine, if we remain in unforgiveness, we call to ourselves the result of the dismay and hatred inherent in unforgiveness, and sometimes the physical illness or personal losses that occur as the result of such frozen thought. And if we can think of it like that, if we can think of an unforgiveness in us as a frozen thought of something that's just stuck in us, you know, it's not circulating, and we can use the example of our blood circulating through our body, right? If our blood stops flowing, if there's some clog in our um, system, then it becomes stagnant, right? And that stagnation turns into an infection, Right? Or we wouldn't drink the stagnant water in a pond, right? We know to go and drink the water that's running, the clear water, right? We want to keep spirit flowing through us in the most unobstructed way. So we want to remove these blocks. We want to remove whatever blocks that we have within us. Ernest says, no one can fill one with God who hates anyone or anything. Mm-hmm. Forgive others not because they deserve forgiveness, but because you deserve peace. I really like that one. You know, and the people say, "Well, how do I do it? How do I get rid of this forgiveness? I've carried around this grudge forever. I mean, how am I going to get rid of it?" Right? And there's so many great, wonderful ways to do it. You know, the Course in Miracles has a whole section on exercises on forgiveness, if that's something that you wanna take on for yourself. You know there's something that's called the resentment prayer, I don't know if you've heard that. But the theory is, is that you take that person that you're holding some resentment against, because the resentment really is a resending. It's resending that thought over and over and over again. How many times have you played the movie in your mind of the person that did you wrong, right? That's your resentment. So what we wanna do is we wanna pray for that person. We want to pray for that person that they might have everything that we want for ourselves, That they might have health and happiness and prosperity and love. And you do that for two weeks. You do that for two weeks. You say the prayer for that person. And by the end of those two weeks, you will notice that shift in perception occurring within you. You might start off by not even believing that you want the person to have it. right? But you just do it. You just do it. You know, and then if you really want to dive deep, if you really want to go for the big, big forgiveness, there's this book which is amazing. It's called Radical Forgiveness. Uh, if any of you are dealing with some forgiveness that is just hanging on, some place that you're not able to let go. I encourage you to get this book, to do the exercises that are in here. There's worksheets in here. There's reading in here. It's a very easy read. And one of the things that the gentleman that wrote the book says is, you know, it does for us in doing these workshops that we can be, or worksheets that we can be done like that, what sometimes it can take years of therapy to do. You know, so to be able to just enter into that, to put some attention on that. So radical forgiveness. You know, radical forgiveness. There was a young man, uh, Tarek, Camis, Camis, Camis. He was a 20-year-old student at San Diego State. And some of you may know his story. He was a 20-year-old student in 1995. He was a, a good student. He was a good son. He um, was engaged to a lovely young woman. And on Fridays and Saturday nights, he delivered pizza for a job. And one Friday night, he was called to a bogus address, to a made-up address to deliver the pizza. And when he got there, he was shot and killed. He was shot and killed. It was a gang initiation. A 14-year-old boy, Tony Hicks, um, shot him. Now, Tony was living with his grandfather at the time. Tony's mother has, was 15 years old when she had him. He had witnessed his cousin being brutally murdered. He had witnessed a lot of violence in his life. And his grandfather took him in because his grandfather wanted to give him everything in life. And on this particular day, Tony ran away to join the gang. And that was his initiation, you know. And uh, Tarek's father, Zim received the phone call that his son had been shot. He said he couldn't get out of bed. It's the most devastating news. His mother lived in another, uh, c- uh, another country, and he had to call her and tell her that their son had been killed. And he said it was the most horrific thing that he went through. He was a Sufi Muslim, a jeem, and, and part of his practice was to meditate for two hours a day. And in his meditations in the months that followed his son's death, he got a download. And the download was that there's two victims. There's a victim on each side of the gun. The victim of his son being shot with violence. And the victim of Tony, who was raised in this uh, violent situation. And that's what he learned. And as time went by, Azim knew he had to find forgiveness. He knew he had to find forgiveness in his heart and he reached out to Tony's grandfather. Uh, his last name is Felix. I can't say his first name. reached out to Tony's grandfather and um, they met. And they talked about this idea that both of them had lost a son through this violent act. And uh, Tony was in jail. Tarek was dead. And these men formed an incredible bond. They wanted to be sure that this didn't happen to any other children. They wanted to end this violence. They wanted to find a way to communicate through nonviolence. And they set up what was uh, the Tarig Hazim Foundation. And they have traveled around and spoke and told their story. They've become great friends. I had the privilege of hearing them speak. And uh, it's the most amazing example of forgiveness, of radical forgiveness. About three years after the shooting, Azim went to meet Tony in jail. And he said he looked in Tony's eyes and he tried to find a killer in there. He tried to find a murderer in there and he said he could not. He could not. That very first meeting, he offered Tony a job at the foundation when he got out. And uh, just recently, just November 28th of this year, 23 years later, after the, the crime, Tony was released and, and, and has that job at the foundation. Prior to his release, he was blogging, he was working with the children through videos. Uh, Azim and the grandfather have traveled through schools. All around, they've talked to over 500,000 children and they believe bringing Tony on will affect even more because from his very mouth, he can tell them what it was like to want to be in that gang, being under the influence of drugs and alcohol. And Azim had this great forgiveness. It's amazing, it's an amazing foundation of an amazing story. You know, and um, we have every year the season of nonviolence. And uh, that's when I heard these gentlemen speaking. I heard them speaking at an event for the season of nonviolence. And the season of nonviolence spans from the time of January 20th, the death of Gandhi, to Martin Luther King's death on uh, um, April 4th. It's 64 days, the season of nonviolence. And uh, Gandhi's grandson, Arun Gandhi, he started this season of nonviolence with AGT. They started it many years ago with the Association of Global New Thought. And Gandhi's grandson also had experienced this violence. He was such an angry youth, he said. He was beat up by a white gang. And he was angry. And then he was beat up by a black gang because he, and he was angry, and he said he didn't fit in anywhere, and his parents were frustrated. They didn't know what to do with him. So at 10 years old, they sent him to live with his grandfather. Could you imagine being sent to live with Gandhi, right? And he said he didn't know his grandfather. He thought he was going to be this great statesman, and he would have a hard time relating to him, and he said the minute he got there, he fell at home. He said his grandfather spoke to everybody with such respect and love. You know, but the grandfather, his grandfather taught him to turn his anger into good use. His grandfather taught him that this anger was like electricity that we could move and use, and it was powerful right and it was the time you know the apartheid, and uh, he couldn't live with his wife as he as he became an older man, he was married, but his wife couldn't come there because he was in South Africa, and she wasn't allowed to be in south africa and One day he met a gentleman that was one of the high leaders, one of the high speakers, you know, at the the apartheid. And and the gentleman just went up and shook his hand when he realized he was Gandhi's son. And, And he said he wanted to just punch him in the nose. He hated this man, you know, but he thought, what would my grandfather do? You know, and his grandfather was all about nonviolence, right? His grandfather had been thrown off a train because of his race. And, and Gandhi, at that time, when he was thrown off the train, he thought, well, either I'm going to go back to India, I'm going to fight, or he chose the third option. I'm going to find a nonviolent way to deal with this. So Arun decided to be courteous to the man, to offer him tea, to invite him in his home. They spent several days together, and at the end of it, the man was in tears when he said goodbye to Arun, and he said, "I'm going to do everything I can to stop this." You know what Arun said? It was in that moment that he understood the power of nonviolence. He understood the power of love. He understood the power of forgiveness. Oh. These men and, that are that made that their life mission to teach the principles of nonviolence to our children, through their foundations, you know. We may never have to uh, forgive somebody at that level. Or maybe we will. Maybe we've had atrocious things happen to us that need to be forgiven, you know. But we can do it. We can do it, you know. We don't have to hold these little grudges and resentments and keep them safe and nurture them. We can let them go. We can let them go so we can be free. So we can be free, so we can stand in the sunlight of the Spirit and receive all the benefits, all the gifts that we can allow that divine love to throw through us. You know, give ourselves this gift as we start this beautiful season, as we move through the weeks leading up to this amazing birth of the Christ consciousness in each of us. You know? So I encourage you, I encourage you to set yourself free, to allow spirit to move through you in the most amazing way. God bless you. So glad that you're here today. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Kiki's coming on up.